Welcome back to the Literary Lounge. I'm Emily. And I'm Paige. And today we are going to be talking about The Good Lie by A.R. Tori. Yeah. Um, today we have our themed drinks, the Bloody Heart Killer. And Cheers. they are Bloody Marys. They're homemade Bloody Mary mix with a jalapeno tequila. So if you want the recipe and how to make this, go check out our Instagram. Oh yeah, that's good. Is that the first time you tried it? Yeah. It's real. That, that I wanted everybody to have like the real reaction. Yeah. The jalapeno tequila, it like adds so much to it. and it, But it's not like super spicy. Like it's the right amount of spice. Yeah. I was nervous, not going to lie, because I don't do spicy in any way, shape or form. Like mm. I only like can handle ketchup. Um, really? Yeah. I didn't know that about you. I know. I get like really bad acid reflux. Friends for like 10, 12 years and I didn't know that. <laughs> now you do. Now I do. Learn something new every day. But yeah, it's it's good. It's not that spicy. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. So over on our Instagram. Yep. Check it out if you're looking for the recipe. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this book because I loved this book. Yeah, I liked it too. It was it was a nice short thriller. Like it was a very fast read and sometimes that's just what you need to get yeah. that fix. <laughs> Yeah, it's like 240 pages, which is very snackable, very easy to do like in a weekend if you're just looking for a getaway read. Yeah. Well, let's let's just get right into it. You ready? Yep, I'm ready. Okay, so the thing about this story is there's like almost two separate stories happening in tandem, but then they kind of come to a head at the end. It's a little tough to go chronologically through this book, but we're just going to do the best we can. Um, But the first thing that happens... Sorry. Spoilers ahead. Yeah. say that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hopefully you know. I mean, if you're new here, you don't know this, but if you've been listening to us for a little while, you know that we are dropping mad spoilers throughout these reviews. Like, we're we're going into the story. Like, we're not going to leave anything out. Yeah. So if you haven't read it, read it and come back and listen to it. Yes. Come back. Um. Okay. Good reminder. Sorry. No, no, that was good. We almost pissed off a lot of people. So. <laughs> Don't want to do that. Yeah. You're no. our friends. Yeah. Um, okay. So this book starts out with Scott Harden is a teenager in high school who was abducted about seven weeks prior to this book beginning. So he comes home. He's been missing this whole time. His parents have been distraught, like haven't been able to eat, sleep, anything. Like, it's been horrible. They don't know where their son is, and there's this bloody heart killer on the loose taking teenage boys, very in similar description, um, demeanor. I don't know if that's the right word. Age, whatever. Like, he is, like, the prime sus or, like, the prime victim, and so they're thinking that it's probably him, and they're thinking that he's going to turn up any minute, like, dead, because I think the timeline that is pretty typical for this serial killer is, like, eight weeks yeah, it was pretty short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty gruesome um, how they find these bodies. Like, they've been, like, dismangled and cut apart, body parts cut off. Like, it's just, it's quite um, shocking, I guess, how they're finding these teenage boys. Yeah, and they don't spare us for the details. No, so. you know, yeah. <laughs> so we go into Dr. Gwen Moore. She's a psychologist who specializes specializes in these clients, these killers, murderers, just clients that have violent thoughts. And at the start of the book, she finds out that one of her clients, who's John Abbott, 
and his wife, Brooke, were found dead in their home. And this client, John, he has met with her and has multiple times, like, talked to her and said that, like, he wants to kill his wife on many, many different occasions. I don't remember how long this client has been a client of hers, but she said, like, over the years, like, he's just said this all the time, that, like, he has all these thoughts to kill Brooke, his wife. Yeah, and he, like, is convinced that she's cheating on him. Yes. Yeah, and that's why he wants to kill her. Yeah. He's, it's not funny. Sorry. <laughs> no, but it's, like, he's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I have to admit something about the start of this book. So when I started reading it, I was, like, very sleep-deprived this night that I opened this book. And so when they start talking about Dr. Gwen Moore, um, the author just calls her Dr. Moore like starting out and so we don't know like if it's a male or female so like shame on me but like I assumed it was a male and oh Uh, no I I watched a couple people's views on it on this book on YouTube but not a few other people said that okay so you're not alone (laughs) so I feel really bad about that because I also I'm a female that works in a male-dominated industry like shame on me but in my defense like it starts out where she's like chugging milk in the morning and I just like I'm sorry if you're, like, a young woman that, like, chugs milk. Like, I'm happy for you. Like, I could not do that. My stomach would not be happy with me. But, like, (laughs) um, I just picture, like, a 50-year-old man, like, chugging milk. I don't know why. But I'm just, like, picturing this guy, like, in his boxers, like, chugging milk. I picture, like, a buff, like bodybuilder chucky okay, milk you're nicer than <laughs> i am year old <laughs> but anyway so this it doesn't even get any better so then i am like reading this and dr moore like goes to the gym like in between clients or like before work and goes into like the ladies like locker room and in my head i'm like oh that's kind of weird like what's he doing in there <laughs> and i'm like okay whatever like he's in the ladies locker room and then he like pulls his pants down is in a red thong oh my gosh and I'm like this guy is wild that wasn't even like you're 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 no like what I know so I'm like what the heck like this guy's wild and so then I don't figure it out until like Dr. Moore meets with the police officer that day and the police officer is like oh you're an attractive woman like did you feel uncomfortable with your clients or something like something along those lines where oh he straight up gosh. is like, you're a woman. And I'm like, Oh, it all makes sense now. I know. That's how it's <laughs> like sleep clear. deprived. I was like, I was just thinking like he was like this creepy middle-aged man, like walking around in thongs. Wow. No judgment though. If, you, if that's you, you do you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, whatever. Um, yeah. Anyway, I had to share that. Cause like, I just appalled at myself, but, <laughs> um, back to the story. What's yeah. next? So they were found. So John and Brooke Abbott were found dead in his house and Dr. Gwen Moore kind of suspects that Brooke had a heart attack. And as a result, John killed himself over the pain, which I had an issue with this. Cause this guy has been saying how much he's wanted to kill his wife. Like she's actually dead now. And he's like, not he like throwing a party. Something. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, Gwen attends the funeral and she goes to this bar to drink her pain away. She kind of feels a little guilt because she has never like reported John's um, ab- 
Like uh, conversations with her. Conver- yeah. His conversations to the police, which is definitely like a mandatory reporting um, thing. So she should have reported it, but she never did because I know she claims that if she did, she'd literally be contacting the police every single week to do like a check on him. And mm-hmm. anyway, that's just thoughts of killing someone isn't enough to detain someone. Right. So nothing really could have been done in that way. But anyway, she's she's at the bar and another guy is in the bar and introduces himself and he is Robert Cavan and they end up having a one night stand at her house. But this guy also attended the funeral. They mm-hmm. were attending the same funeral. So he wakes up the next morning at her house and she finds uh, Robert in her office and in her office is all of John's paperwork, of course. And he's flipping through it and she finds him and kicks him out and is pissed that he had the nerve to go through her stuff as a one night stand. Yeah. And he's kind of like mad too. Cause he's, cause she had told him that she knew the wife. Yeah. But like, really she knew him, but she was his, or he was her patient. So yeah. like she obviously lied. Um, but she has to lie. He's HIPAA. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he's digging through her stuff. So they're mad at each other. So many HIPAA violations. <laughs> yeah. Right. So long story short, like they're pissed at each other. He leaves. Um, so what were your thoughts about Robert at this time of the story? Did you think he had anything to do with it? Um, I thought he was a little weird. I, he, and he was at the funeral too. Um, I think he said that John was his pharmacist and that's why he was there. Mm -hmm. But I know you mentioned before in like a side conversation that like killers tend to like go to the funeral of their victims and that's so true. So, I mean, I kind of had a, a little bit of a suspicion towards him being the killer. Um, but yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought he was fine for the most part just maybe that little suspicion of that what about you yeah I thought he was like a little sus um I didn't think he was the killer though and like you said we did have that conversation after reading this book that we're like oh the killer usually like attends the funeral like they're a lot closer than you would think Mm -hmm. um but for some reason I didn't (laughs) think that in this instance like I didn't think he was the killer but I I definitely felt like he had he was hiding something yeah So we'll jump back to Scott. Um, He accuses his high school teacher, Randall Thompson, of being the bloody heart killer. But he's a little, like, suspicious about everything. And his mother is kind of suspecting that he's, like, hiding something. Um, He has been acting very strange. Like, I I get weird vibes from him. I had no idea. Like, at one point, I thought he was, like, the killer. Because, like, how, how did he get loose? for one like how did he get let go and why is he acting so weird about it yeah he goes to interviews on tv and he's just like living it up like loving the limelight yeah but then he doesn't want to be around any of his friends doesn't want to go back to his normal prior prior to being kidnapped so his mom definitely thinks that something's up yeah at one point too like I kind of thought like is he doing this like for fame after all these victims like yeah like maybe like did just he just disappear somewhere else and he's just doing this for fame and for clout I don't know yeah good point yeah 
Um, but after after Gwen throws Robert out of her house, he shows back up the next day, I think, with an apology. Mm-hmm. And um, he asks her to help defend his case with Randall Thompson. So he decided to take on Randall Thompson as a client, which is very suspicious. Why would you take on a client that could have killed your son? And I don't know if we talked about that, but Robert's son was a victim of the bloody heart killer. So I just thought that was weird. Yeah. And I think when she agrees to it, she might not know that at first, like, I think this comes to light like shortly yeah. after she, cause she's like, Oh, bloody heart killer. Like this is like her jam. Like she, she likes analyzing these situations and like looking into the minds of serial killers. And so when he asks her to like join him on this case, she's like, absolutely like this is right up my alley. But then I think not that long after she finds out. Yeah. It was pretty soon she, after. Oh, she realizes the last name. Robert Cabin, because mm-hmm. like Cabin is part of the law firm he works for because he's a partner and Gabe Cabin, which is his son, was one of the victims of the Bloody Heart Killer that was killed. Mm-hmm. And then she asks for all of the client files or all the victim files from um, the police department and like the, what is it called? Like the, the autopsy yeah, reports? Yeah, auto- autopsy reports. Yeah, so she also sees all those. And sees that he is his son. But, yeah, I, what did you think of that? That, I mean, us as readers now, like, we know that that was his son. But at that time, like, why would he be defending? Yeah, he's obviously hiding suspect. something because we, like, we don't know why he's so sure that Randall isn't the murderer. And he's not telling her why he's so sure. But moving on, um, Gwen thinks that the Bloody Heart Killer is probably a man with a background as a sexual abuse victim and someone who is methodical. So she Mm -hmm. has a lot of clients that actually have that background. Yeah. So. Yeah, she's able to like put a profile together on this person yeah he asked her to put this profile together so he can kind of prove that randall isn't the killer Doesn't match the yeah. profile yeah um and then one day so gwen has a patient who um happens to know randall thompson personally um his name is luke attends i think if i'm saying his last name correctly but he asks her like what she thinks about all this bloody heart killer stuff and she kind of tries to like play it off like she can't talk about it And um, he's very, like, upset about the Bloody Heart Killer being Randall Thompson because he hates Randall Thompson. But he doesn't say why. He just, like, insinuates that he's not a nice person or he's not a good person. Um, And then he kind of puts her, like, in a scary situation where she feels like her safety is being threatened. And so she has, like, security and stuff come. And she goes and hides, like, in her co-worker's office basically to like get away from him and he steals her wallet and keys out of her purse in her office sees all of her bloody heart killer like stuff scattered all over um and then bolts yeah so she's like concerned for her safety at this point especially going home because he has her keys and her id has her address on it so she gets 
people, she gets the cops to search her house and make sure he's not there. And then Robert shows up too and kind of stays with her that night. But one thing, I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit, but if you're, if you're listening to this, you've read the book, I'm assuming, but like nothing ever comes up about that stupid wallet and keys. Yeah. That pissed me off. I know. Later I was waiting on, she's for like, something to happen. Yeah. She's like, do you have my wallet and keys? And he's like, no. Or exactly. like, he just kind of like brushes it off. She like never gets them back. Like why make that such a big deal and then not do anything with it? <laughs> yeah. What was the point of taking those? Yeah. I mean, maybe to, like, get us, like, nervous that he's going to do something, but, like, do something then, like. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I was annoyed at that because I was, like, waiting through the whole book. I'm like, where is this wallet and keys? Where are they? <laughs> like, come yeah, out. Yeah, that's a loose end in this book. We never find out the point of that. Yeah. Maybe he's just being a dick. Probably. Mm-hmm. Finally, like, later on in the book, we jump back to Scott again, and he's, like, he's just acting weird. He's not able to keep his story straight, and he finally has admitted that he lied to the police about escaping the Bloody Heart Killer. And he confesses that he was actually let go, mm-hmm. which is a huge turning point in the story. Yeah, this kind of changes things for Gwen and her profile that she put together because... Now it's showing somebody who is a little bit more remorseful that maybe is like hurting these these kids and then feeling bad about it. And she's kind of she has like a run in with a lady at the grocery store that kind of like triggers something in her mind. How she noticed like in the pictures of these victims that they have like salve on their wounds. Almost like the person is like hurting them and then is like regretful and is trying to like keep them from getting infections it's just kind of yeah odd it's not who she thought so originally so right at this point in the story story is when I finally like it kind of clicked for me and I that that's when I guessed who the bloody heart killer really was and I well I ended up being right about it but like because he's a pharmacist Mm. and he's like Mm -hmm. he well he's getting access to like um, medications and everything like he's he's treating them well I think we end up finding out that Brooke was but still he has like the access to all this too but at the pharmacy and like the healthcare background is like where I was like tying the knots oh together. that's interesting I didn't knots together I didn't put that together at all I kind of like forgot the detail that he was a pharmacist like for some reason that was kind of like a moot point like I was like oh he's a pharmacist okay like it didn't think that it would mean anything later mm-hmm. on so huh that's pretty interesting but then so she decides that this person and she's not f- she's not sure on it but she has like a hunch that they have like a dissociated identity disorder or like schizophrenia or something like that mm-hmm. so yeah after she finds out that they're like treating hi- treating the victims and a real estate agent um is showing this house and the buyers are kind of like walking through the house and they discover the torture room which is like in the attic of the house that they were touring and guess whose home it was yeah it was john and brooke abbott's house so they were the bloody heart killers yeah and then you think too back like earlier in the book how scott like his mom was tracking his locations and how he was like going to this house that was for sale. Yeah. And he was telling her how he was like 
just all bummed out these days because the girl that he was seeing like before he was kidnapped like moved away or whatever and he was like talking about Brooke I think there's a plot hole in this like because they were they were found dead a while back like how did he not see that on the news and like pictures of them because he was home at that point he was home the night that they died so like Mm -hmm. when it would have been on the news, like the local news. Like, how did he not see or hear anything about that? That's and like a good see point. her picture. Yeah, I thought that was a little weird. Gwen finally like realizes the ties between the Bloody Heart Killer and the Abbots, and John was the one that tortured, and Brooke is the comforting presence. And we also find out. So she's like looking through her notes and she's finding like all the holes that she, that she had Mm -hmm. and that she's finally like putting the pieces together or she's finding all the missing puzzle pieces and putting them together. But the, the Abbots had this gardener, which he was always jealous that like the gardener was there and that, um, Brooke liked the gardener and, then when like during the, that meeting, um, Gwen said to, OK, we'll get rid of the gardener. Then that will solve the problems and you won't feel like you have to kill Brooke. Well, getting rid of the gardener meant like he killed the gardener. And we find out that the gardener was actually Gabe, mm-hmm. Robert's son. Um, so that was another like huge yeah kind of plot twist in the story and she's like also finding all these other missing puzzle pieces about all these other people in his notes that he was jealous of and those were actually the victims of the beat the bloody heart killer yeah super sad yeah and as she's like putting all this together robert like shows up at her house and basically threatens her with a knife he says she should have known it was John. Like, she could have prevented, like, his son dying and these other victims. Um, and he basically tells her that he was the one that killed John Abbott. Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, so many mixed feelings about Robert because, like, he was in that house the the day that um, Scott was set free or the day after Scott was set free I think Scott was set free the night yeah before and then the morning after is when they were killed Mm -hmm. but uh like he could have just called the police and he came to that conclusion well we find out at the end of the story he came out to the conclusion that John was the killer because his Robert's son Gabe has type 1 diabetes so he has like his medications like his insulin and stuff but those were still getting picked up even when Gabe was missing mm-hmm. and who else could pick it up besides the pharmacist. Yeah. So that's kind of like where he like tied it together. So he like shows up at their house that morning, like ready to kill him. And he finds Brooke and John like in the kitchen or the dining room or whatever. And I think did, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it mentioned this, but it's a hundred percent, I'm like a hundred percent sure this happened. It might've mentioned it, but John killed Brooke through like vitamins or something like medications. And yeah. That's how she had a heart attack. 
Yeah, Gwen, like, suspected that, like, he knew exactly what to mix with, like, the medication she was taking. Yeah, and my husband used to be a pharmacy tech, and he was, like, 100% that happened. Like, there's Mm -hmm. so many different ways that you can kill someone with all these, like, medications, even, like, vitamins and stuff, and get away with it and make it look like it's so so scary, honestly. Um, Yikes. Yeah, but, like, Robert's there, and he stabs John. But, mm-hmm. like, why didn't he just, like, call the police? Like, would you rather have this guy dead or have him rot in fucking prison the rest of his life? Yeah. I think I'd rather have him rot. I wouldn't want that hanging over my shoulders that I killed him. Yeah. Let that fucker rot. <laughs> yeah, and Gwen protects him because he tells her that he's the killer mm-hmm. and, like, fills her in on everything that happened, but... When he leaves and he kind of falls off the grid, she still doesn't know, like, how he found out that it was John and Brooke mm-hmm. until, like, months later, they bump into each other again, and he basically, like, tells her about his pharmacy hunch and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, There's one thing that we did kind of brush over, but Scott, we kind of, like, brushed over his ending of the story. Mm-hmm. But he was in love with Brooke and Brooke like promised him that they would run to w- run away together and to just give her a couple days to get things figured out and she would come back for him. And that's why he kept like going to the house like he didn't know she was dead, which again, I don't understand how he didn't know that because it was all, I'm sure all over the news. It was because I think that's how Gwen found out was through the news that they the were dead. Police officer maybe that came by. Her oh, office. yeah, yeah. But like. Still. I can't remember what town they live in, but usually when somebody, and especially just with, like, everything that was going on with, like, the Bloody Heart Killer and stuff, like, I'm sure that there was stuff all on the news all the time. These people were very well informed with, like, what was happening in their community. Yeah, exactly. But interesting. Yeah, but, yeah, he was in love with her, and that's kind of why he held off from, like, telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah, so all the pieces fell together, and... That's the end of the story. Yeah. So in the beginning of the book, Dr. Gwen Moore says, Obsession, as I frequently told my clients, never affected outside situations. They only made your internal struggle and resulting personal actions worse. Who in this book has an obsession and how is it clouding their judgment? So a lot of people in this book actually had an obsession, especially a lot of her clients. Mm -hmm. Obviously, um, John had an obsession with his wife and killing her and making sure that she was his and only his. And Robert has a big obsession with kind of avenging his son. Yeah. Gabe. So yeah, there's a, there's a lot. There was one thing I actually did want to add that has nothing to do with this right now is reading that book. I definitely thought that Gwen was going to get arrested and go to prison because she withheld so much of that information when she's supposed to be a mandatory reporter. Um, and that's another reason like why she was so scared throughout the book that the police were like, were on her case because like she should have reported all those instances to the case. So I definitely thought that she was going to get charged with Brooke's murder. Yeah. But she didn't. So <laughs> yeah. She but, got off. Yeah. I think those were the two that I thought had the biggest obsessions. What about you? Yeah, for sure her clients. um, Oh, and Scott too. Scott was obsessed with her. Like he was, 
I think he was calling her phone a lot. He was driving over to the house. Like he, that's all he could think about basically since he got home was like, when are Brooke and I going to run off together? Yeah. Um, yeah. Robert, he's obsessed with just avenging his son's death. Although he kind of already did that, you know, we, Mm -hmm. till we don't learn that till later, but, um, He's just so obsessed with it. Like, it's definitely not healthy for him to be, like, involved in this case. And he just puts himself at the center of it. Yeah. I agree with that. So, we kind of talked about this. But why do you think Robert didn't just go to the police? Or do you think he wanted Gwen to get a report on the Bloody Heart Killer? I, so he easily could have gone to the police. But I, I don't think he did. Because... One, he's just so obsessed with, like, getting revenge against his son that he wanted to kill him. Um, but even going to, the, like, the police after, because he obviously knew the wrong guy was um, committed for this or was a suspect in this crime and was arrested. And he, I think he just didn't want to get, even if he, like, saw... He, I, I just don't think he wanted it to get led back to him that anything, like, happens. Like, whether he was, like, inside their house, like, why were you inside their house? Or, like, I I don't think he wanted to get anywhere near, like, the suspects of the case and, like, become one. But, yeah, I think he just, he killed him because he wanted to avenge his son. And I don't think he knew anything about Gwen until he saw that file. Yeah. So with her relation to John. Right. I think he just was like, this is a one night stand. And then it became a little more than that when he realized like how involved she was. Yeah. So I think he was still like, again, like he still wanted, he's obsessed. So he wanted to get that revenge for his son and he wanted Gwen to pay for what she did. Cause like if she would have reported John, then he, none of these kill like none of these murders would have maybe even happened because he could have been in jail Mm -hmm. so i think that he really just ties it down to her and kind of is blaming her for it yeah yeah i think he was just blind with rage and it i mean to show up at their house it's premeditated then yeah exactly it's not like he just like ran into him on the street and was like you murderer it's like he went there Mm -hmm. okay Gwen admits she should have reported John Abbott's violent comments about his wife to the police. Where do you think the line is drawn between patient confidentiality and being a good Samaritan in her line of work? Oh, I think she fucked up completely. She, well, I'm in healthcare. So Mm -hmm. like I understand HIPAA. I understand like mandatory reporting. she, She explains that she didn't tell the police because the police would have been at their house like all the time because of how many thoughts he's had and they can't arrest him just based on thoughts. Like there has to be something that he's done or an attempt at murder. Or even like threatened her. Like I don't think he ever like made threats to her that he told Gwen about. No, no. So I get her side where she didn't tell that, but she is, it's by law she has to. So, like, I don't know if she was being lazy about that or if she was trying to, like, protect her client when she shouldn't have been or if she's honestly just, like, money hungry and just trying to keep him as a client because, obviously, if she reports him, then she's going to lose a client. 
So I, I think there's so many scenarios, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't agree with what she did. That's again, why I thought that she was going to get arrested for not reporting. Yeah. That's just like, I'm having such a hard time wrapping my head around this one because I don't know enough about like her line of work to say like whether or not like she should have at any point or when that point was just because her specialty is people that have like violent or murderous thoughts. So if like that's what their obsession is and they're talking about that all the time, like what, at what point do you report it? You know? Yeah. I think the line's definitely, it's, it's a gray area, but like, I, I can't remember if in his file, like if he was specific about how he would ever kill her. Yeah. Like I, don't, I like, don't remember that, but that like plotting her. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like a, she was like reading back on her notes with him. And at one point he told her that he wanted to know what it would be like to cut his wife's stomach open. Exactly. See, and that, it's like, you report that shit. Yeah. Like, no, I, I just don't think she did it because one, she doesn't want to lose a client. And two, I, the laziness, I don't know. I like, I, I really don't understand that. I that would scare was, the shit out of me if I was told that. Yeah. I would be fearful for his wife every day. Yeah. Um, I think she said something at one point about trying to protect herself or like not wanting the police like all up in her biz. Well, if you protect yourself by doing what you're supposed to do and that's reporting right. these instances. But then I think, I don't know if she said too sometime in the book, it's, it sounds very familiar. So I think she may have, but I think she said that she doesn't report because if she reported all of her clients, she wouldn't have a business. Yeah. And I think I remember her saying that sometime. Yeah. So where's the line? Like, you know, it's just a weird. I think she's just being sketchy. I don't think she should practice, honestly. If you, if, or at least go into a different type of practice because there's so many like fine lines here. (laughs) Yeah. Making my head spin. (laughs) Um, who did you think initially was the bloody heart killer? And then did your suspicions change throughout the book? So like the first half of the book, like up before they said that, um, halfway through the book, something about a pharmacy, it was like halfway through. So the first half I thought it was Robert, but then he said his kid was a victim. So then I was like, you know, maybe it's not him, but then he's also so obsessed with this killer that like. Maybe his son died a different way and he is the killer and he's Mm -hmm. just trying to like use that as a cover up. I don't know. But then I kind of like moved past that. He's still sketchy to me, but I kind of moved past that. And I was like, what the fuck is Scott doing? Mm -hmm. He's like, is he the killer? Like he, he's acting so suspicious. Like, is he going off and like doing all these things? And is that why he had the shit planted in his teacher's house. Like, why is he, why is he doing all this? So I, first for a while, I thought it was him. And then when I, like about halfway through when they mentioned, I talked about it earlier, but when they mentioned something about John and the pharmacy and then, I can't, it was something, Mm -hmm. but then I immediately thought like, oh, it's probably him. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, there was at one point where I thought it was Scott 
just because he was being he was acting so strange about like coming home and doing the exact opposite of what you would suspect from somebody who has had a very traumatic experience or I felt he was in some way involved mm-hmm. like if he wasn't doing it he was helping somebody um at one point I even wondered if it was Gwen I know that's like way <laughs> out there but I recently read a book I won't say the name or spoil it but this really bothers me when authors do this I think it's kind of lazy writing but this book I read the killer was like the narrator and so and like the entire time she was lying about who she was in the story and that just like really pisses me off because it's like if she's like narrating the book and she's like talking about all these things playing the victim blah 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 and then in the end she's like it was me that sounds interesting to me because I don't think I've ever really... Oh, well, I'll tell you the name of the book, but I just told you the ending. <laughs> but I'll forget it. I was like, I hope this isn't one of those cases where, like, the author's like, surprise, it's Gwen. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I and just don't like that. she would be good at covering it up, too, if it was her because she literally is in the minds of killers all day long. Yeah. Or potential killers, even. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she would actually, she would have been a good one. <laughs> yeah, she's probably heard, heard it all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I didn't think it was John and Brooke. I was just trying to figure out where they fit in this story, you know? And I think that's another reason why I also thought it was them, because I couldn't find out any other way that they'd fit in the story except for that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. But then, good point. then they threw in all these other random people, like the girl who like wants to think she's like a murderer but she's just like bored like one of her clients or like the guy who stole her keys like they just kind of threw those people in there I think to throw us off but like I never suspected them to do it right they're like a little too out of it yeah the story but yeah interesting Mm -hmm. um well at the end of the book it the author leads us to believe that Gwen is going to give Robert another shot romantically if you were in Gwen's shoes, would you give him a second chance? Hell no. He tried to kill her. I know. Absolutely not. I could not trust this man, especially like because I'm sure he still thinks about like if she never if she would have reported him, my son could still be here. Yeah, absolutely not. I would never give him a chance. Yeah. I would stay far fucking away from him. I would move across the country. I wouldn't even live in the same house anymore. Yeah, he's or change I my mean, name. He like murdered somebody, so he's already scary. But yeah. then he threatened her with a knife. But he, he it's not only he like murdered just anyone and anyone, like he murdered someone who murdered his kid. Yeah. But he also thought that Gwen had a part in that too. Yeah. And even though like she said, like, I had no idea, like these were the, the victims of the bloody heart killer, like I had no idea it was him you still like he went so long thinking that she did mm-hmm. that like does he really believe her with that like i i don't know i changed my name i'm gone <laughs> yeah i i don't think he can be trusted no not at all yeah but um there's that documentary crazy not insane and that was really interesting because i know emily we were talking about the book and emily asked me she's like are there actually like therapists that deal with these type of people that are potential killers did or whatever yeah so i googled it because i had no idea and well no not just did though but like you you asked if it was like potential killers because not all people that have did are like killers oh (laughs) yeah we've talked about this this show before in one of our earlier podcasts yes yeah but it it basically it talks about all these 
um, killers who have a lot of like mental disorders and the whole point of the show is to kind of like say like murderers aren't born, they're created and all these different instances can like create a killer. So like past trauma, so like sexual abuse, um, any, some mental disorders. I know one guy in it had like a tumor on his brain that like heightened his like senses to like want to like kill or I can't really remember what it was, but it's pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, that was, it was interesting to watch. So I, if you've read this book, I highly recommend watching that documentary. It kind of gives you more of a view into like that life and what's really going on in these killers heads and why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. It's very thought provoking for sure. Yes. Yeah, so uh, what were your final thoughts overall on this book? I really liked it. Um, I didn't see the twist coming. I feel like it's been a long time since I've read, like, a solid thriller where I didn't see it coming, and I just felt like this book was, like, really well-crafted. Yeah. So I'd probably give it a four and a half out of five. Okay. What about you? Yeah, I would probably give it a four, maybe a four and a half out of five. A five is, like, one that I just cannot stop like thinking about like it really had an effect on me and I don't think this fully reached that for me but it's I'd say a four it's it's really good a really good book I I do recommend it um it's very thought-provoking but yeah I'd say four out of five nice yeah yeah have you read anything else recently um I read this book this year that I've been wanting to talk about that I haven't yet. So it's called Ejaculate Responsibly, <laughs> which is like a very alarming name, but it's a it's a very interesting book. It's really short. It's like 100 pages and the author talks about how the the brunt of like pregnancy prevention has been f- like the responsibility of the woman for so long. And she talks a lot about how like men should pick up the slack and like these are she like gives a lot of like really um, helpful ideas on like how men can be more responsible because men are actually way more fertile than women. If you think about it, like they're fertile all day, every day. And whereas women like they produce one egg a month and it's it doesn't last very long. Like I don't understand all of like. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. That too. But like a man can get or a woman can get pregnant by one man but a man after he gets that woman pregnant he can go get yeah. 20 30 40 other women pregnant right like. and so yeah she makes that point and she makes a lot of really good points and it's not like bashing men which i was glad you know it's like we don't want to come out here and be like we hate men like you know let's let's think of like helpful good ideas on how we can all take responsibility for yeah. unwanted pregnancies And so um, it has kind of like an alarming title, like I said, but I think that it does a really good job of like, at least I didn't think it would offend anybody. Like it doesn't really get into like politics at all. It's just more of like, let's all be more responsible from the get go, Mm -hmm. you know, at conception. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. I'll have to add that to my TBR. I'll bring it for you. Thank you. It's yeah. very nice. You'd like it. I have one to give you too. Okay. Um, the one I've been I've read recently is Sex Cult Nun. Oh yeah. I think you like mentioned that one. 
Yeah, it's not for everyone. It's very, very, very difficult to get through. It is based, it's a nonfiction. It's, um, um, it's not a memoir. Is that an autobiography? I don't. It's just a true story, right? Yeah. But like, it's her story. A memoir. Yeah. Okay. So it's about this woman who grew up in this cult and there was a lot of sexual abuse in the cult. So trigger warning for that. Um, and a lot of sexual abuse for children under five. So like I said, it's very, very hard to get through, but it's so eye-opening because this cult still exists. And I think like, it's just, it's great to know that shit like this happens out there and to be aware of it and to acknowledge that these people like went through absolute hell and to kind of have that not only just like sympathy but to be aware of this this stuff that's going on in the world so I recommend it but it's not for the faint of heart if it's about the first half well probably about the first quarter of the book is very very hard to get through because of the events that take place but after that it kind of tones down a bit but anyway it's about she grows up in this cult and she, it's kind of her story of how she gets out of it as well. So her growing up in it and then her escaping it. Yeah. yeah. That sounds wild. Yeah. Very interesting. It's heavy. Yeah. Very heavy. So. Well, sounds like we need to do a book swap. Yeah. I can give it to you now. Oh, okay. It's, it's behind me. I think so. <laughs> Did you see it? No. Oh. I'm just guessing. <laughs> yeah. Well. I think that is a wrap for this episode of the Literary Lounge. And again, I'm your host, Paige. I'm Emily. And we hope you enjoyed today's discussion. We hope you come back next week, next Wednesday, and we'll be diving into um, a book that we will post on our Instagram. So go find that on our Instagram. It'll be up today and get started reading that book so we can talk about it next Wednesday. All right. If you do want to continue this chat or have any questions for us, go head over to our YouTube channel and leave a comment under this video. You can also head over to our Instagram and leave comments under any of our posts. And we'd love to have a chat with you, but we'll be waiting for you in the literary lounge next week with our drinks in hand. Bye guys. Bye.